0: Darkness is not an affirmative force. It simply reoccupies the space vacated by the light.
1: This is the Hamilton Corner on American Family
0: Radio. It should be uncomfortable for a believer to live as a hypocrite. Delivering people out of the bondage of mainstream media.
1: And the philosophies of
0: this world. God has called you and me to be his ambassadors. Even in this dark moment. Let's not miss our moment. And now. The Hamilton Corner. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Hamilton Corner here on American Family Radio. I am your host, Abraham Hamilton III, joined by the corner contingent right across from me, Mr. Bobby Rosa. And in the screening room, double for your trouble, your recovering friendly neighborhood woodaholic, Mr. Marty Sparks, lighting up the dark from there. He really is recovering today. <laughs> Joined by producer extraordinaire who had the jokes already. M&M's in hand. I saw you showing him the Bobby You didn't think I saw him. I saw him. <laughs> Mr. J. Mack is in the building, ladies and gentlemen. And we are ready to rock and roll with today's edition of the program at this very moment. Many of you, if not most of you, are transitioning from your part-time jobs where you generate an income to your full-time jobs where you cultivate an outcome. As you do so, I want to encourage you to do it with full intentionality, understanding the primacy that God places on family. I I know for some it may seem like like I'm a broken record with this, uh, but I I truly hope and pray that you are encouraged um, to step into fullness of obedience and executing our Lord's commission, starting right in your own homes. You know, I, I was having a conversation with my with my wife just last night uh, about the reality um, that how our children are growing so fast. Man, I got another one. Bobby Gaby's about to have a birthday. You know, this dude, he's about to be nine years old, man. it's Like, goodness, when did the time go? Where did the time go? Uh, and it just reminds me. Uh, like Jesus said, what we must do, do, let us do quickly. Let us do it uh, immediately. And so, I, I just want to encourage you to to take the initiative. You know, I I understand and I appreciate, uh, you know, people hold themselves out as youth pastors and things of that nature. But it's not the youth pastor's job to serve our children, man. It's not. It's not. It's it's our jobs as parents to lead in discipling our children. We need our parents to step into what, as you've heard me describe before, what I strongly believe God intended when he introduced the concepts of motherhood and fatherhood into the human experience. Uh, We need grandparents to come alongside their children uh, and aid them and support them. And I know there's some circumstances where, you know, family dynamics are, are, are different. You know, sometimes you may have a situation where the grandparents I would love to participate more fully and the parents may not be on the same page, man, pray, 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 pray. Ask God to soften the hearts. Ask God to open, uh, eyes. Because the reality is prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. I know sometimes, uh, the, the parents don't want to let the grands in, you know, to a certain degree. Uh, but ask the Lord to soften their hearts and to open their eyes uh, because that, that is the, the, the meat of what's happening. I mean, you, you see what's going on in our society, and I say this all the time. Societies don't just change. When people say culture changes, what they're expressing is the fact that the preferences, ideas, and beliefs, and ideals that a given people have in a particular region at a particular time that they have changed. What is happening, by and large, is that the world has been being has been effective in persuading church attenders. Notice, I didn't say Christians. Persuading church attenders uh, to embrace it, an antichrist ideology, and and I, I'm saying antichrist because it rivals and it is opposed to Christ. If we want to see things change in our societies, change in our communities, change in our countries, we have to start with the individuals on a one by one basis. So, as you transition to your full time jobs this evening, let today be a day to where Christ is exalted in your home. Let today be a day where you invest in the day by day investment and building, and construction that becomes full-throated discipleship, starting with ourselves, because it is not the Lord's desire for us to try to convey something that we have not partaken of personally. To the Word of God we go. Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. I've referred to this, but I want to direct you to it in the Scripture this evening. Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 20, so I'm going to start then I'll pick up at verse twenty five through twenty seven well, I said that I'm going to start at verse one just to point out something because uh, people ask me this question all the time uh, how do you, how do we reconcile the Lord's Sabbath, which is a day of rest day of rest, with um, worshiping on Sundays? you know one of the one of the most foundational understandings we have to under, we have to embrace is that the Lord has made the way through grace uh, in the covenant in Christ Jesus. Uh, We we can worship all the time. The practice of worshiping on Sundays, many people describing it as the Lord's Day, uh, because and the Scripture describes it as the first day of the week. I'll show you this in Luke chapter 24, verse 1. And it says this, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, Taking spices they had prepared and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb but when they went in they but when they went in they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus all right this is very very foundational very fundamental uh, the seven days of the week the Sabbath was the final day of the week according to the Jewish week Sunday will be the first day of the week Because of the resurrection, and people have questions about this all the time, is similar to the pattern that was announced in Genesis. It was evening and there was morning. It was the first day. So what we commonly describe as Good Friday actually was Thursday evening, all right? Because Friday would begin at sunset on what's commonly understood as Thursday, all right? Um, And as I heard a theologian once say, the reason why Friday is good is because Sunday's coming. (laughs) Oh, man. Don't get me started. But Dr. Luke is recording uh, the resurrection uh, on the first day of the week. Luke chapter 24, verse 1. Luke 24, verse 1. Yeah, I'm going to get to 13. I didn't put that on the show notes. Yes. Now, picking up on verse 13 where I was trying to go, where I intended to go. That very day, same day, first day of the week, all right? That very day. Two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. Mm, the Lord, While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him, or well, some some translations render that their eyes were beholden, their eyes were holding. And he said to them, verse seventeen, "What is this conversation that you are holding with with each other as you walk?" And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, "Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days?" And he, Jesus said to them, what things? <laughs> and they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. Now, I'm just going to pause because this is what I want you to see. As it said in verse 1, first day of the week. This is when these events transpired. Verse 13, that very day, the same day, the same day, Cleopas and his companion are walking away from Jerusalem. I've explained before, Emmaus is a seven-mile distance from Jerusalem, and they are walking on foot. These people, Cleopas and his companion, have had their hopes decimated, they had placed their faith in Christ, and they, let me be more specific, they had placed their faith in Christ, and they had an expectation of him being something different than what he was. See, many of the Jews expected Christ to be a civic leader, a political leader, and so they were leaving Jerusalem disappointed, having their hopes dashed. And this is what I want you to see. The same day you have, you know, the women who found the empty tomb. The same day you have Peter and John running toward the tomb. The same day you have all of these things circulating. The Lord makes room for and then records it for our benefit in Scripture. What many may describe as most likely no-name disciples up to this point. That they're so disappointed that they are doing the opposite of what Jesus instructed them to do before he was crucified. And warned them as to what was going to happen. They are leaving Jerusalem, heading away toward Emmaus. And as verse 15 says, I love this. While they, Cleopas and his companion, while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself draws near to them and goes with them. (laughs) Oh, Lord, I love it. Jesus pursued them. Jesus found them. Jesus went after them. They weren't looking for him. In fact, they were going away from the last point that they had seen him. But Jesus pursued them. The conversation continued. I'll pick up right at verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets had spoken. You see, the scriptures reveal that they had a, a flawed understanding of who he was because they described him in verse 19 as a prophet who was mighty indeed. Surely he was a prophet, but so much more than a prophet. But their dashed hopes wouldn't allow them to see him in his fullness at that time. So they described him merely and solely as a prophet. But having pursued them and found them, verse 25, he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus starts in Genesis and proclaims the gospel about himself going all the way through the Hebrew scriptures. They weren't looking for them. This, they weren't searching out the scriptures. They were going away from where Jesus was. And this is why I am pointing this out to you. There are some of you who are listening to me right now where you have heard the gospel. The gospel has been presented to you. But up until now, you have walked the other way. (laughs) You have determined not for me, not today. And I want to simply say to you, At this very moment, just as he did in resurrected form for Cleopas and his companion, the Lord is doing for you right now. He is presenting you another opportunity right now to place your faith in him. There are all kinds of things that transpire and befall us in life. But I want to tell you, do not reject the grace of God that is made available to you. Just as you have tried to put it aside, tried to, Go on with life. Try to, you know, try to. Other things are more important. The Lord is appealing to you even now. And I am saying to you, do not harden your hearts. Do not harden your hearts. The Lord wants to show you just as he showed Cleopatra and his companion. They couldn't see him as the Christ until Jesus came alongside them and began to open up to them the entirety of Scripture. The things that you have questions about, the things that that you've asked questions before that hadn't been answered, just because people hadn't been able to answer them doesn't mean Jesus doesn't have the answers. And so I want to say to you, open your heart, submit yourself with humility because the reality is this, eternity is a long time to be wrong. And deep down, there is something that is tugging on you. And I would say it's not something, it's someone. The Spirit of God is knocking on the door of your heart. I want to encourage you to answer His call. The medical establishment has been playing God with the lives of innocent babies for decades now. Many have grown callous because it seems surreal to think that over 64 million babies have been lost. Preborn will not stand silent, nor should we. We cannot stand by and let babies die at the hand of abortion. That's why Preborn exists, to stand up for those who cannot defend themselves. The only defense for these precious babies is their heartbeat, which begins at just 3 weeks and can be heard on ultrasound by 5 weeks. When a mother making that ultimate choice hears her baby's heartbeat and sees the precious life inside of her, the majority of the time she will choose life. By sponsoring an ultrasound for a mother, you are being the voice of the preborn. Please join Preborn in the cause for life. For just $28, you can be the difference between the life and death of a child. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, baby. Or go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Shining light into the
1: darkness, this is the Hamilton Corner on American Family Radio.
0: Welcome back to the Hamilton Corner. Abraham Hamilton III here. I ran out of time in the previous segment. What I wanted to continue saying um, is the scripture teaches that God has set eternity in the hearts of men. What that means is that you are created for far more than this temporal lifespan. This is why we have these desires, you know, for, 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 to do great things and to to have significance and purpose because we were made for eternity. But then the scripture goes on to to say further, he said eternity in the hearts of men, but few can know it. Lots of people spend their lives, you know, uh, you know, enthusiasm, enthusiasm pursuit, you know, travel the world. I want to do this. I want to do these other things. When really what it is, it's a, it's what I describe as the God void. There is an eternal longing But when we don't have the lexicon of eternity, the best we can do is scour uh, the depths of temporal living. And I'm saying I know that there are some of you who are listening to me today. Whom the Lord has been drawing. And by his grace, you have been allowed time. But the drawing has been intensifying lately. Uh, you you have been having more thoughts of significance and purpose, and, and thinking more deeply than you've had when than you've done before. And I'm saying there is not a sufficient amount of philosophizing or you know deep thinking on your own without having the eternal Creator of heaven and earth. Revealed to you and received by you that will satisfy the longing of your soul. The son of God became the son of man so that the sons of men could become sons of God. Every single person, the scripture tells us, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single human being is sinful and is in desperate need of a savior. This is why people try their best to ascribe to a humanistic notion of goodness. By horizontal comparison, (laughs) we assess goodness in in comparison to other people vis-a-vis this one. Are you a good person? Well, I've never killed anyone. I've never stabbed. I've never done this. The reality is the standard for goodness is not human. (laughs) Jesus alone is the standard, which is why the scripture also says no one is good. There's only one who is good, Jesus Christ. When I declare to you that I'm a Christian, I'm saying nothing good about myself. What I am saying is that I am woefully lost and in desperate need of a savior. And but for the grace of God, hell will be my home would have been my home, but God's grace. And see what salvation what occurs. The fancy theological term is a dual imputation to where the righteousness of Christ, Jesus Christ's incarnation, his sinless life, his death for nothing. He'd done himself but for the sins that you committed and that I committed. His death was the judgment for our sin. And he took the punishment for that sin upon himself. In addition to that, and simultaneous to that, for all who place their faith in Jesus Christ, our sin is not only imputed to him, but his righteousness is imputed to us. So when the righteous judge views us, He sees us through the holiness of the Messiah, the Savior, the sacrifice. And it seems almost too good to be be true. You mean to tell me I don't have to work for this? That's right. Salvation is the free gift of God. It's not the product of works. And all that is required of you. The Apostle Paul articulated this in Romans chapter 10. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. See, it's not just a mouth confession. It's a belief in the heart because heart belief will be manifested will be made evident by lifestyle subsequently. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. The sinless Messiah invaded human history, took upon our sin, upon himself, And his righteousness is imputed to us. You embrace that, receive that, believe that. And you can be born again as well. Don't harden your hearts, Because here's the reality. God's mercy is forever, but his grace is not. And you don't get to determine how many opportunities you'll get to receive him. I would encourage you to receive him now. Just like Cleopas and his companion, it's Jesus that's pursuing you by his Holy Spirit. That longing in your heart, that, that thinking that you're doing as you lay your head to, to your pillow, as you're going throughout your day and you have these thoughts, like, there's got to be more to life than this. Yes, there is so much more to life than this. And life, as I'm saying, it is Zoe life. It includes eternity. There's so much more. Heaven is so real, man, I wouldn't miss it for the world. And I pray you won't miss it either. Lord, I just lift up the people that you're drawing right now by your spirit, Father. I ask that you would soften their hearts, Father, to receive your grace, to receive this, your salvation that you've made available to them, Lord God. Whatever the impediments in the past, whatever the circumstances may have been in the past, Lord, I pray that you would remove them, Lord, by your spirit. Those who you are drawing right at this moment, Lord, to place their full faith and confidence in you for eternal life. Lord, us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <sighs> Heaven is real, man. I would not miss it for the world. Would not miss it for the world. All right. Something I was going to mention. Here we go. I guess, yeah, this falls in the category of foolishness du jour. Because it's crazy. I guess I'll start this portion with with what he said he was not going to do. That's what he said. He said he wasn't going to do it. Let's, Let's take a little walk down memory lane to August 5th, 2020. What was going on then? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Mr. Ice Cream Man was campaigning to be president with infrequent ventures outside of his basement. And one of those infrequent adventures, he was caught on camera saying, I shall not build another inch of a border wall. Listen to this. It's short 12 seconds. Clip number one. Go. The
1: Obama-Biden administration, Trump campaigned on um, build that wall. Are you willing to tear that wall down? No, I'm, there will not be another foot of wall constructed in my administration.
0: Oh, my bad. I said he ventured out of his basement. Nah, he was in the basement for that one. <laughs> that was in the basement. <laughs> you know, just a few, a few paces from his Corvette, you know. He was in the basement for that one. <laughs> Isn't that sad? This man is in his basement. <laughs> in August of 2020, in the throes of the presidential election, he he doing satellite interview. <laughs> this man this is crazy. But uh, but that's what he said. Not another inch. Well. You see what happened was. <laughs> Some of you might might be aware of this by now, but it was announced this morning that uh, the Biden, the Biden yeah the O Biden administration that's right that's what the that's what it is that's what it is I wasn't intending to say that at first but that's what it is the O Biden administration announced via its Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Alejandro, Alejandro Mayorkas issued a statement that reveals the Biden administration is now building wall in the Rio Grande Valley area. Now, of course, it's not nearly as much as we need it to be in order to be effective. But uh, Mr. Mayorkas issued a statement where he says, quote, the situation makes it necessary to waive certain laws and regulations and other legal requirements in order to ensure the expeditious construction of physical barriers and roads in the vicinity of the border of the United States in order to prevent unlawful entry into the country. Secretary Mayorkas continues by saying that there exists, quote, an acute and immediate need to construct physical barriers. In his announced statement, the Homeland Security Secretary had to admit to his, his administration's failures to secure the border because as of August in this year alone, <laughs> they admitted that 245,000 illegal immigrants were encountered on the southern border, and that does not include those who got away and those who were never detected. The official numbers offered by the administration for the entirety of the Biden time in office is 7 million illegal aliens. Of course, that's their tally. Now, I I just, (sighs) You know, I'm not in a single group, but color me bad for a moment. Color me bad. I thought y'all was saying the border was secure. <laughs> I'm telling you, if these people did not have double standards, they'd have no standards at all. <laughs> a quarter of a million people as of August. Man, this is this is absurd. Now, he said he never was going gonna, to gonna build another foot of border wall. And then in this way, it gets even more laughable. So he had, he was doing some kind of, Mr. Biden, I'm talking about, was doing some kind of interview this morning, some kind of meeting, and a reporter got in and said, Mr. Biden, we thought you weren't going to construct any more wall. To which he said, well, 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 you know, uh, they couldn't do anything about it. They had already made their appropriation, and we couldn't, we couldn't not spend the money. Boy, you was a lie, boy. That's a lie. That is just a flat lie not only do you not can you do something about it what he failed to acknowledge to the reporter is that the Biden administration actually waived 26 different laws in order to start the construction of this additional wall so not not this is the thing that's left so you started trying to take down portions of the wall President Trump was building. You sold materials that President Trump had in in store to construct the wall, and now you say you need to build a wall, and you're gonna you're gonna waive 26 different laws. Y'all want to hear these laws? 26 different federal federal laws and regulations that that the Biden administration had to waive in order to build 20 watt, 20 miles of wall. That's what they're building along the Rio Grande Valley. Nowhere near what needs to be done. But is this not a Not just a tacit. This is an overt acknowledgement that, one, walls work. (laughs) Two, we need some. Or is it the Biden administration, you know, the one with the earpiece in his basement in his sweats, saying, we need to make an adjustment, Joe. Elections are coming. They're around the corner. Here are the 26 laws that had to be waived and regulations. Y'all ready for this one? The National Environmental Policy Act had to be waived to build this this, this new portion of wall. The Endangered Species Act waived. The Federal Water Pollution Control Act waived. The National Historic Preservation Act. Y'all can do this with me. You're watching this show. Y'all can do this with me. Y'all can do it on time. We're going to be like a choir today. Boom, do boom boom boom, boom Here we go. The, Migra- the migratory bird treaty act. the migratory bird conservation act. do 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 the Clean Air Act. Boom! 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 The Archaeological Resources Protection Act. <coughs> I like how he's going to the screen room, y'all. Y'all got it going, yeah. The paleo- the paleontog- the paleontological resources preservation act. Say that three times fast. The paleontological resources preservation act. The Safe Drinking Water Act. The Noise Control Act. The Solid Waste Disposal Act. Oh, by the way, the Solid Waste Disposal Act, as amended by the Resource Conservation and Recovery Act. The Comprehensive Environmental Response, Compensation, and Liability Act the archaeological and historic preservation act the antiquities act the historic sites buildings and antiquities act redundant name huh the farmland protection policy act i got to have more cowbell do do, do 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 the national wildlife refuge system administration act the National Fish and Wildlife Act of 1956, the Fish and Wildlife Co- Coordination Act. Bye bye. The National Trails System. The National Trails System Act. The Administrative Procedures. The Administrative Procedure Act. The Eagle Protection Act. Not the Eagle. The Native American Graves Protection and Repatriation Act. The American Indian Religious Freedom Act. The Federal Land Policy and Management Act. They all had to be waived, you know, because there's wall to build. It just shows that they can wave what they want to wave when they want to wave it. But Mr. Leiden, yeah, you heard me. Leiden Biden then, oh, we couldn't do it because we had the appropriations already made and we couldn't do anything about it. Man, y'all waived provisions of 26 different federal regulations and laws in order to do this. It's ridiculous. The medical establishment has been playing God with the lives of innocent babies for decades now. Many have grown callous because it seems surreal to think that over 64 million babies have been lost. Preborn will not stand silent, nor should we. We cannot stand by and let babies die at the hand of abortion. That's why pre-born exists, to stand up for those who cannot defend themselves. The only defense for these precious babies is their heartbeat, which begins at just three weeks and can be heard on ultrasound by five weeks. When a mother making that ultimate choice hears her baby's heartbeat and sees the precious life inside of her, the majority of the time she will choose life. By sponsoring an ultrasound for a mother, You are being the voice of the preborn. Please join preborn in the cause for life. For just $28, you can be the difference between the life and death of a child. Just dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250, baby. Or go to preborn.com. That's (laughs) preborn.com.
1: The Hamilton Quarter podcast and one-minute commentaries are available at AFR.net.
0: Back to the Hamilton Quarter on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Hamilton Corner. <clears throat> I didn't know I was going to be beatboxing on the radio today. This is so sad, man. And and <laughs> it's just utterly ridiculous cuz these people go on and on and on. All's won't work. Oh, are where's it's immoral to have a wall. And then when 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 you have people complaining about the board and all these things are happening, it's like, oh, well, let's go ahead and uh, put a little wall up and let's um, amend federal law in order to do it and and waive certain provisions and we'll go on and do that. And so I am by no means deceived into thinking that uh all of a sudden the lied administration has come to their senses and realized what needs to happen with, with the, with the border. No, but it shows that they recognize eh, something going on here. So then what needs to be asked again, if we had any enterprising, uh, you know, some of that Woodward and Bernstein kind of let's hold government accountable. If someone allowed me to obtain a press pass for a day, <laughs> my very next question would be: um, <clears throat> I had to, Wait, I gotta put my professional voice on. Sir, why have you decided to stop at 20 miles? Miles, 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 miles. What is magical about 20 miles that's gonna stem the tide? Abe hey, checks notes. Of 7 million illegal aliens since you have been in office. And that increase is a stark contrast to your predecessor. (sighs) It's laughable, man. Let me give you the number, because we are going to open the phone lines this segment. The number to call is 888-589-8840. That number again is 888-589-8840. Especially if you were holding yesterday. I definitely want to get you on today. Uh, Just let our folks know when you call that you were holding yesterday, and we definitely want to get you to the front of the line. Anything we've discussed all week is on the table. All right, 888-589-8840. As uh, the callers are making their way into the corner, I want to share this. Um, This is just its heartbreaking, frankly. And I'll, I'll explain why it's heartbreaking in a moment. But let me tell you what it is that's heartbreaking. New York City announced um, today that it is it is now the first city in the nation to offer uh, baby murder coaching via telehealth on demand, seven days a week. Yeah. Listen to this clip and watch this clip. It's clip number two. Go.
1: New York City is launching abortion care through telehealth visits within its hospital system. Mayor Adams says the city's health department is the first public department, health department in the country, to allow people seeking abortion care to speak to a licensed professional by video or by phone and not in person.
0: Tough decision is made in the comfort of your environment and your home. And if you are clinically eligible, that provider will be able to prescribe abortion medication that will be delivered to your New York City address within days.
1: The city's health and hospitals abortion care services will be available seven days a week.
0: Seven days a week. It, it just it underscores the reality of a uh, people who do not have a view of life as being sacred. you know people that do not have a view of life as being sacred um, It's so selfish and hedonistic that when we begin our analysis of the issue of whether or not we should or shouldn't kill children. I mean, think about that. And I know people don't want to think about it in those terms. That's why they use all of these euphemisms to try to cover it up. You know, this is health care. Really? Whose health is being cared for? Really? If a woman conceives a baby in a traumatic circumstance, and I'm not limited to the extreme trauma of some type of violation, criminal rape and things of that nature, but a traumatic circumstance, there's nothing about killing the child that's going to remove the trauma of the circumstance that she conceived the child in. Nothing. Nothing. So we're gonna compound that trauma with murder, and we're gonna call it healthcare. It's 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 sick, frankly. It's sick. And I know there are some people, and and I know people don't mean this disingenuously. I know some who do mean it disingenuously, but I've heard people. To say, well, how can you say that? And you don't seem to have a problem with the death penalty. Let me be very clear about that. I believe in the sanctity of human life. I believe that you, I, I, I am comfortable with the fact that people can express disagreements politically, but do not attempt to ascribe your disagreement politically with it being synonymous with the biblical worldview. Those are not the same things. When the Lord prohibits murder in the Ten Commandments, he doesn't say that you shall not kill. He says you shall not murder. Well, Abe, what's the difference between murder and killing? I'm glad you asked. Murder is the intentional termination of innocent human life. In certain circumstances, the Lord allows for the death penalty to be employed. I can show you that from Genesis to Revelation. Take you to the New Testament. People forget this. The Lord described government as his instrument, his institution that he ordained. But a lot of people forget the context. Romans chapter 12 the Lord speaks by his spirit through Paul by saying, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay, prohibiting human beings from vigilantism and seeking to mete out our own individual modicums of justice, having suffered various iterations of wrong and crimes against us. The Lord himself says, don't seek vengeance yourself. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. That's in Romans 12. Then immediately in Romans chapter 13, it begins with the Lord saying that he has ordained government. It is his minister to do what? To punish the wicked and to reward and uphold the righteous. By punishing the wicked is also to restrain wickedness. And then he adds this in because the government does not bear the sword in vain. What do you think the Lord was saying the government doesn't bear the sword in vain for? You think the sword was used to file nails? Oh, I know the sword was used to play cricket. The sword was the first century version of the gun. And the Lord is saying that the government does not bear the sword in vain because government, through proper processes of due process, is God's minister to execute wrath on the evildoer in time. Wrath on the evildoer in time because he alone is the judge on eternal evildoing beyond time. So the Lord is saying that the intentional termination of innocent human life, meaning humans who have not done anything to any other humans, the most innocent among us are babies. (sighs) Yet, we have people who will use red herrings and frankly will lie about what's actually going on, to use murdering children as birth control. When the greatest form of birth control is not having sex with people that you do not want to reproduce with. But we're such a callous and hedonistic and self-centered society. Well, now we want to invent ways of doing evil. I remember reading that somewhere. And now you can get coaching through telehealth. and send some drugs to your house. Surely that nothing's going to go wrong there. And say we care about women. <sighs> to the phone lines we go. We'll start in Ohio. Joe is on the line. Joe, thank you for calling the Hamilton Corner. Welcome to the program.
1: Thank you, Mr. Hamilton, for all you do. Keep shining the light into the darkness. Uh, we, we really enjoy your program. And just the... Um, the building of the, the twenty twenty miles of wall after three years and over you know seven whatever seven point four million people is the old um sayings like closing the barn door after the horse is out we used right. to say where I come from. Mm-hmm. The um but a couple reasons and your your morning team kinda hit on it. The um there's a razor thin uh, margin in the house, razor thin margin in the Senate and you know <laughs> Hopefully people realize we need a different person in the White House. But their, the election is, you know, the main reason I think they're building the wall. Um, and thank God that the uh, Abbott and these people were busing the, the, these illegals to the the blue cities and the blue states because they're even, the Democratic Party is now even hearing from their own blue cities and blue states, hey, this is a problem that's got to get solved. I mean, even New York, the you know one of the bluest of the blue, is you know complaining. Hey, we get that thing, and, and like you said, it's laughable because they've got you know like maybe two percent of the the influx of illegal migrants that the um Texas has encountered. And then the other the other possibility, and it you know Hannity and others have been saying it for years, these seven point four million people coming in. They're all not just illegal aliens. You've got terrorists mm-hmm. and terrorist cells mixed in. Think if just one or two percent of seven point four million was terrorists. How? I mean, your your listeners can do the math. I mean, that's just a, a boatload of of um, people here that are going to destroy us. You know, nine eleven attacks we just celebrated or not celebrate but recognize that. You know, was it nineteen or twenty people killed three thousand. So how many? You're two percent of seven point million kill in America.
0: Yeah. Well said, Joe. Thank you for your call and your comments and. And one, I do not believe is limited to seven point four million. It's it's more than that. It 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 really is. And it it's amazing. they they'll they'll acknowledge seven point four million in these last what three years, but then for the for since what nineteen nineties until twenty twenty, they were saying eleven million in total. It's like and and I understand the uh the reticence to view people, you know, oh, just bust this, bust that, bust them here and all that. I understand that. But the reality is, you have all of these cities, New York and others, where, you know, pounding their chests, we're sanctuary cities, bring them here, bring, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so when it starts happening, oh, then the reality starts to set in. And it's just, it's sad. And I know some of it is a feature of human condition to where we don't have the wherewithal to truly assess a problem until it happens to us. But that's sad. That's sad. And we've been so roiled with political partisanship just because you happen to be a red state governor or mayor saying that this is a problem. You have these blue state governors and mayors saying, no, it's not a problem. And now it's a problem because it's come on our front door. And the thing that should be the most glaringly obvious to everybody is that there's no way this happens on our southern border unless it's intentional, unless our federal government is allowing it to happen. Back to the phone lines. We'll go to Kentucky next. Where Frank is on the line, Frank, thank you for calling the Hamilton corner. Welcome to the program Hi ram
1: hey ram uh I wanted to say to you that uh uh there's no reason why people should kill their kids uh if they don't want their kids, they can take their kids to to the fire department the police, and uh, no questions asked some some states have you can take some some uh, fire departments have a box outside and uh, that you can put the baby in. And yes. uh, you, you take your baby out. There's no reason to mur- for murdering your, your, your family, you know?
0: You're right, Frank. You're right, Frank. Thank you for your call and your comments. And and this is something that we've discussed on the program before. All across the country, there, there are laws. You have people that will take babies in. No questions asked. There's no reason to slaughter the children. But the problem that we have in our society, it's a worldview problem. You know, I, I'll, I'll tell a story. I won't include any names, but I'll never forget. Um, I learned about a young lady. She, You know, she's in difficult circumstances. I understand that my heart breaks for her. Um, and she conceived a child. She had already had a previous abortion, actually more than one previous abortion, and was pregnant with a, a child, and she did not want the child. And it was communicated to this woman that there was a family that would take the child, that she did not have to abort the child. And the woman said, no, I don't want anybody else to raise my child. And so the, the, the mom was asked, so you'd rather kill the child than let somebody else raise him? And the mom said, yes. This is the kind of mindset that we're dealing with. And, and it's, guys, it's demonic at, at the root. It's demonic at the root. And this is why I'm saying society-wide, including our chief executive of our nation, to utilize their their bully pulpit to persuade our populace concerning the reality of human life. There needs to be somebody who's willing to step on the national stage and say from that platform that we don't have to do this in our nation. We desperately need internal transformation.